Welcome to Glitch Cube, we're a gaming podcast, and each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games. I'm Christian. I'm Chris. And welcome back, everybody, to another fun and exciting week of talking about gaming culture, gaming as a whole, just anything games. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we do here. <laughs> All right. So as we do every week, let's start things off by, you know, throwing out some joyous plugs out into the world. So is there anything this week that you want to uh, shout out? Um, honestly, I just been because I've been so busy. There's been a lot going on in my life this week. Uh, I've been actually watching a lot more like TV and stuff. And, you know, it it's interesting because for a while there, I just it was so busy playing games. I kind of missed out on like what's new. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Outer Banks was amazing, surprisingly. Yeah. And I uh, watched this new show called Brand New Cherry Flavor, which was really weird but also weirdly really cool don't know if i heard of that one it it's kind of like a horror show but it's it's just weird and messed up but if anybody out there that likes kind of like odd weird mystical in a modern setting i i recommend it it's pretty good nice uh other than that i just been playing a lot of indie games lately i uh, beat this little game called garden story the other day oh that looks awesome which yeah it i was surprised because it's like you look at the art style of it and the music and it's just you know when you play an indie game and everything kind of comes together perfectly mm-hmm. that's how that game felt and even though like i'm a person who loves to build stuff in games and there's some minor building in there, but you just level up towns and they give you better like tools to upgrade. And at first I was like, oh, I just want to build like a little town up and do all that. But in the end, I realized the game was the perfect length. It doesn't bore you in trying to like max everything out or it just it was short, sweet, and the game was adorable. And I feel like with the busy week that I had, it was perfect. Nice. And, uh, dude, there's so many good games coming out. Well, probably already out by the time this comes up, but like Road 96, I think it's called. Yeah. Road 98. Mm -hmm. And, uh, 12 Minutes just came out too, which I'm kind of excited to see. It's, I feel like for the fall, it's mostly like indie games that are going to be the cool new things because there's really nothing interesting coming out. Well, I mean, like even uh, Nintendo is doing like indie worlds on their shop and everything like that and showcasing just a bunch of really cool indie games out there. Yeah, so it, it just goes to show that how strong the indie community is right now. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's it's awesome. And I feel like with Unreal 5, it everything is going to look amazing oh, too, yeah. just in general. Like I was watching. Uh, I feel like it's the first game that's really utilizing the Unreal 5. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's called Black Myth Wukong. Oh, yeah. That looks crazy. And they just dropped a gameplay trailer yesterday. Or, yeah. Well, a week ago when this airs. But it looks so beautiful. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, when the pole hits the ground, it even leaves, like, a trace in the snow. And it's just... The game looks beautiful. And it looks fun, too. And if... If this is the future that, like, say, the 3D side of gaming goes, I'm excited for it. Like, please usher in all these cool new games <laughs> with that look. Yeah, 
Agreed. I'm excited. I agree. A hundred percent. Hell yeah. Uh, what about you? What's going on with you? Uh, you know, uh, life has been hectic like always, especially this week uh, with work and everything. But like you, I was looking for something to kind of unwind and something a little bit simpler to play and just enjoy. I started like digging through old Final Fantasy games on my phone just so I had something simple to play in front of me. Nice. <clears throat> But then I remember that Dodgeball Academia is out on Game Pass right now. So Ooh. I picked that up, started playing it, and that game is awesome. It is, is it? Yeah, it's really fun. It's really simple, but like it gets pretty hard after a while. But there's all kinds of like really nice little, just the writing is fantastic. The art style is really great, and the music's fun. Like everything about it was just really, really cool. And it really brought back like memories of playing the original like dodgeball game on NES, like way, <laughs> way back in the day of like doing jump shots and things like that. But then they had throw in things like super moves. So you, at one point you can do like a Kamehameha with one person. Someone has like chain lightning. Like it's just oh. it's really interesting to see. And even the enemies get special moves that you have to kind of like learn and adapt to. Which is nice. And is it turn based? No, it's all just go. Oh. Yeah, which is really cool. And one thing I did like a lot too was if you happen to lose a match, you can just restart that match. So you don't oh, have cool. to like go to a game over screen and do all that crap all over again. It's just like, oh, you lost, retry. It's like, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so it just hops you right back into the game, which is great. So you never really feel like you're thrown out of the action at any point. Oh, I like that. Do you level up and stuff too? Yeah. Unlock skills. Yeah, you level up, you unlock skills, you b get different equipment for your party. Um, it's it's a lot. It's a lot more involved than I thought it would be. Huh. Yeah, and it has like a great little rival system, and like like I said, the writing is just adorable. It's really funny. It's you know it's lighthearted enough for kids, but it kind of has like that like almost adult humor at some points. It kind of reminds mm. me of like, you know, like Adventure Time humor where it's like, OK, I know a kid's probably not going to really get that. Right. But yeah, it, it's kind of on that same line right there. But it, it also reminds me a lot of like My Hero Academia. Right. It's, it's Academy <laughs> for Dodgeball like students. And the whole thing is that like the Academy was started because like they're like some champion saved the world by playing Dodgeball and his ball is like continuously spiraling in this wall that it like slammed against when it like the kids they touch the ball when during initiation to unlock their power so it's it's really it's a lot it's it's really interesting so definitely want to check out and like i said it's on game pass right now so if you have that it is free and you can even play it on your ipad if you want or something like that just connect a controller and you're good to go it's really fun Oh, that's cool. I'll, I'll have to check it out. I, I saw it on Game Pass and I was like, oh, this actually looks like a lot of fun. So to grab that. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to playing some more of that one. That is for sure. Now, that game is, like I mentioned, it's very lighthearted. It's very, you know, calm, chill, right? But not every single game out there is as lighthearted as this, right? Not every game mm -hmm. is directed towards kids or even should be played by kids, in my opinion. And that kind of brings us to our topic today. What we're going to be talking about is we we generally wanted to talk about more of like mature games and adult only games. But it 
I mean, at least for me too, like the research I started doing, it really dived more into the history of like ESRB and the rating system for games. And that was just such an interesting topic. And it's just kind of, it's nuts where it came from and just how much animosity there was towards the gaming community. And like, we know about that. We've heard it throughout our lives and like through media continuously where, you know, games are not only going to rot your brain, but it teaches children to be violent and whatnot. But Mm -hmm. I didn't realize how, just how crazy those trials were originally in the 90s before ratings were a thing. Or even how much like hatred or backlash the studios had for each other during that time as well. It's really interesting. Um, You really see like the full effect of the console wars during those like trials between Sega and Nintendo. And it's just like, whoa, like you knew they had a rivalry. But the way they, like, go at each other in those trials, it's just like, whoa. Yeah, it became so much more than just the games that they were producing and coming out with. It was more based on the ideology, ideology, can't talk today, (laughs) (laughs) of the actual studio itself. And I think that gave the the console wars that much more weight or gravitas, right? Whenever it's not just, oh, what games can they pay to have on their platform exclusive? It's now like it it gave more meaning to the console wars when I was mm-hmm. doing that research. So it it's kind of crazy. But I think we should go into a little bit of history of how we got to the rating system in general. Right. Yeah. Uh, so we're, once again, we're going back in time. We like doing that. <laughs> we did it last episode and we're doing it again this time. But we are going to 1993. Right. Oh, boy. Yeah, back in the, the days. What was it, like four at this time? <laughs> yeah. Same. Yeah. So in 93, there were three games that came out that really started to push the idea of regulation in video games. And those three games were Night Trap, Lethal Enforcers, and one that I think everybody has heard of is Mortal Kombat. So during the 90s, like early 90s, there was a lot of violence in mainstream media it was being like more and more it was it was more and more put into the press and like pushed out to the public and i remember like this was the time too where people were afraid of like razor blades and apples during halloween right everyone was afraid of just gratuitous violence and it was it was talked about more or at least the conversation was being had more during this time Mm-hmm. So this is whenever the government decided that they were going to get involved because of these games. Like these games were very, I mean, yeah, sure. Like they started to get a little bit more gruesome, but I don't, in my opinion, at least the games are always heavy, like within that area. Like there was a lot of violence in games, but I think it's because of like the graphical Power. Uh, yeah, the graphical power within these games and how much better they're starting to look. Now it's becoming more and more real. And that's whenever people are getting more and more scared of these titles themselves. Like if you look at Lethal Enforcers, it's a, it's just a basic shooter game, right? You would play it in any arcade. But the yeah. big thing that the government was really lashing onto was the fact that they didn't use um, like 2D pixel sprites. They actually took photos of people and put them into the game 
So it was actually like rendered photos. <laughs> so it, that's what made it more real. And it didn't really help the fact that the controller that they used basically matched Dirty Harry's revolver. <laughs> like it's just a <laughs> giant revolver that these kids were playing with at their home. So of course, a lot of concerned parents would see that. But my big thing about it too is like, oh, these parents are so concerned that their children are going to be, you know, sub- or susceptible to this violence or start playing these games without them knowing. But you, they had to buy that game for them to begin with. Yeah. And they had to see the fact that this game came with a gun, right? Like there's, mm-hmm. there's a definite disconnect there and someone's just trying to pass the blame on. But that's a whole different thing. So really the government basically told the gaming studios that if they do not start regulating themselves then the government's going to have to step in and start regulating them right we saw it with the music industry recently actually um i think it was around 92 93 whenever we started seeing some really big uh lashback for music and then you start seeing the parental advisory stuff pop up Mm -hmm. now one of the things that was interesting was that some studios were actually already putting ratings onto their games and sega was one of them or main, really the only one, but they had yeah. three rating systems. They had GA, MA, and MA-17. And GA just means general audiences, everyone can play it. MA-13 is parental discretion is advised. And then MA-17 basically means not appropriate for minors. So you basically be an adult in order to play it or buy it. But there's... A lot of wiggle room and a lot of gray space between this this rating system, and it's just not strong enough for what the government wants. So I, I, they start wanting more from it. They want a a better rating system that can be easy or more easily regulated, right? Yeah. But at this time too, Nintendo starts getting into the mix. And Nintendo is notorious for the fact that they always want more like family-friendly games. They don't want gore and violence in their games. And that can actually be seen in the Mortal Kombat uh, port for Nintendo. Uh, The Nintendo Mortal Kombat version has no blood. Yeah, they sweat. Yeah, it's just all sweat flying across the screens. And all the fatalities have been dumbed down or locked out. So you can't even access those during playing those games. So there's a lot of animosity between these studios growing because of the fact that like Nintendo's pissed off that the government's even getting involved in this because other studios aren't taking the time to actually set up standards for themselves and uphold them because they know that this is obviously going to be a problem so why aren't these studios playing their part right so it just creates Mm -hmm. a whole lot of just crazy animosity towards them but before we continue on to the trial and stuff did you play either one of these games night trap mortal Kombat, or lethal enforcers so i have but different like times of my life Mm. uh i actually remember lethal enforcers growing up because when it was on sale you saw the gun like you knew it was there Uh, i actually had a friend that had it and i would go over to his house and we play it and it was I mean, it didn't make me violent, you know, it was just, it was different because yeah, it, it used real looking people. And during that era of like the early nineties, you know, with FMV games and stuff, it was getting more realistic. And if these games didn't have real looking people, it probably wouldn't have been an issue, mm-hmm. but 
I agree with the revolver. It's like, I mean, a parent should have been able to see like, hey, this probably isn't. I don't want my kids shooting people. But at least the cover of that, you know, you look at Mortal Kombat and Lethal Enforcers and it's like it still looks kind of like a game. Whereas like Night Trap, just the cover, you're like, oh, this could be campy and weird. Mm -hmm. And I mean... I played Night Trap maybe for the first time a few years ago just to kind of see what all the hype was about. And it, yeah, it has imagery that's questionable, but at the same time, it's so over the top because they did censor a lot of stuff that they originally wanted to do mm-hmm. um, to get it out there. Because before it was going to be a lot more violent, but because the imagery of, you know, they're vampires, right? And Originally, they were just going to, you know, be like a vampire and bite them and grab them. But because it looked so offensive, they had to use those stupid metal claws to suck the blood out and make it look less realistic. Right. They became alien vampires, right? Like, yeah, yeah. they tried to make it more like a comedy rather than like actually scary. But I was listening to like what some people said and it makes sense you know it's like these games they are a little more extreme for younger kids but at the same time you know when we look at games nowadays i feel like these kind of issues aren't really a problem anymore like growing up i don't think i was ever really carded to buy an m-rated game i think it was for like grand theft auto san andreas i tried to buy it when i was a kid and they were like oh yeah you can't have this and i was like damn it you know yeah but for me like out of the three i think mortal Kombat was really the only one i played a lot of but i had it on the super nes so yeah the sweat was there i go to an arcade and i see all the blood and i'm like i want to play this version you know right but (laughs) (laughs) yeah but yeah that's that's my experience with those three yeah i think one of the things you just mentioned there at the end was so true too. It's actually one of the lead marketers for Nintendo uh, was totally against violence in games and actually really against the rating system in general because he felt that putting on that mature rating would then want or like make kids want to play it or like spark interest in this game more. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah, I agree with it 100%. Whenever I saw a game that had mature on it, I was like, what's in that? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I want to know what's there. Why is this something that I'm not supposed to have? Right. And it, it's it's so true. And it's funny to think that the whole rating system was put into place in order to protect kids from, you know, violent imagery. But really, it just made us want it more because we were told we can't have it. Right. <laughs> Exactly. It's kind of like a dangerous double-edged sword. You know, you put a warning on it, but then it's like everyone's curiosity is like, why? Yeah. I want to see it. I want to experience how like messed up a game can be. You know, Mm -hmm. that was always my look at it. Even like back when I was really young, when I saw teen rated games, I'm like, ooh, like what makes a teen? I want to see. Right. (laughs) It was just endless. Yeah, I agree. And it's just, it's funny how that happens. But I mean, that's, that's how we are. I mean, same thing with like rated R movies. Like how many rated R movies did you sneak into when you were younger? Because I know I did. I snuck into a lot of them. so many. Right. Or like watching movies on TV that you weren't supposed to watch. Right. Or 
HBO (laughs) or living through the scrambled Cinemax, you know, like (laughs) that was a real thing that we did because we were told we can't do it or we're not supposed to. So, of course, we're going to try and do it. So, yeah, it's just it's funny how that happens. But I don't know. There's good and bad to the rating system. Right. But yeah, it's it's yeah, I think it just sparked more interest in the bad. (laughs) It did. I mean, I feel like it's good to put labels on things. But if it came to the point where those labels started censoring the games, then I could see the argument against it, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, that's true. That's one really big, important thing to note, too, is what's great. uh, The one good thing about the rating system is that it doesn't make the studio censor their product. It just means that they're going to get a higher rating, right? At no point does the rating or the ESRB ever say, like, okay, like, your game's too violent. You need to dumb it down which is good. So at least it doesn't make the designers like have to change their image or uh, what the original intent was for the game. So that's, yeah. that's kind of nice. That's a nice, there episode. was one, but I'll get to that when we get to uh, oh, a little bit deeper into the story. Interesting. All right. So we're going to jump into 1994 here. Um, so at this point in the congressional hearing, it's been going on for almost a year and actually a lot of things happened in 1994 that just, I think continued to boost the argument against violence to kids. And it was all because of the media. Like actually, I don't know if you know this, but 1994 was the OJ Simpson trial. And that was, that was aired live across the whole United States whenever he was driving down the freeway. Not only that early in 1994 is when Kurt Cobain shot himself and with a shotgun. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and that was aired all over the morning of Kurt Cobain. Not only that, I mean, even Tommy Lee Jones was arrested for possession of a gun and that was blasted all over the media. So it like all these little acts of violence just it boosted the argument that we need to have a rating system to protect kids. But now my question is, where's the rating system for the news? Like if they're, huh. if they're able, if they're making the argument saying that we're, these images are getting to kids and it's making them violent, but the news is up there portraying these images. And it's almost like you want, like parents wanted their kids to be more up to date with current events. Right. So you're going to look for these things and like, it's okay to watch the news, but it's not okay to play mortal Kombat, Even though I would say the news is much more violent and like, Oh yeah, it's real. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of funny. It's, it's another one of those interesting things. You find yourself staring down the mouth of a dark cave, hearing the low rumble of something large inside. This is it. Everything you have been fighting for lies just within this cave. (laughs) Hey man, what's the matter? This is your big ending fight scene. Yeah, sorry about that. I've just been so tired today. Feels like I've been hit with like two points of exhaustion. You know what? I have just this thing to get you back into the adventuring spirit. Really? Of course. I have a delicious roast from Geek Grind Coffee. Huh. That sounds pretty cool. What kind of brews do they have? They have blends like Dragon's Roast, Dwarven Dawn, Wizard's Mist, and so much more. They have even one celebrating Jim Hansen's The Labyrinth, The Goblin King's Elixir. Whoa, those sound awesome. I'm waking up just hearing about them. Is there an easy way for me to pick up some? I got you. 
For the fans of our show, if you visit geekgrindcoffee.com right now and enter the promo code GLITCH at the checkout, you will get 20% off your order. Whoa, that's great. So you're saying if I go to geekgrindcoffee.com right now and enter the promo code GLITCH at checkout, I'll get 20% off my order? That's amazing. That's right, yo. <laughs> All right, I'm ready for this adventure. Bring it on. Hey, that's a natural 20. Just like the discount you can get when entering the promo code GLITCH at geekgrindcoffee.com. Level up your morning with Geek Grind Coffee. Anyway, in 1994, we come back to the congressional hearing, and at this point, there are seven big studios, including Nintendo and Atari, that have banded together to say that they are going to start regulating their games. Now, this is great, right? We're making progress. Studios that were actually arguing beforehand are now starting to work together and say that we are going to start creating a rating system to put on our on our boxes, right? Now, Congress came back and said, yeah, this is nice and all. You guys are a pretty big market and you're a large majority of the gaming community, but it's not the whole gaming community, right? So these seven studios only included 60% of the whole gaming industry. So there's still 40% of the gaming industry that was like, no, we're good. We don't need a rating system. Like, so... Congress really started to push back and say, now we need to find a way to get the rest of the 40%. How are we going to get everyone to go through the rating system? And that's where some big companies come into play. That's where we get Walmart and Toys R Us into the mix. And the CEO, or both CEOs of Walmart and Toys R Us actually came out during the congressional hearing to say that they will not sell games that don't have a rating system in place or listed on the box. So that's a crazy thought to think about because we all know how big Walmart is. Walmart is huge and it's going to continue to be huge. And it actually was the big, it was a majority of video games sold during this time were actually sold through Walmart. So to have Walmart Mm. say that is just nuts. And then you have another big box store like Toys R Us which unfortunately Toys R Us is no longer around. But during this time, that was like the gaming mecca. That's where I went to get oh all my, my God, games. I loved it. Yeah, they even had a whole awesome section dedicated to it. It was a, it was a whole experience to go to Toys R Us. You take your little paper oh. to the counter. They pull yeah. out the game for you. Like it was just beautiful. Yeah, it was so much fun. Like I remember getting lost looking for Gundams <laughs> at Toys R Us. <laughs> and then I'd go into the little gaming corner and pick out a game. Like, I actually walked to the Toys R Us by my house um, on my, I think, 15th, 14th or 15th birthday and bought Smash Brothers <laughs> right then and there <laughs> with a bunch of change I found around the house that I was keeping in a Ziploc bag. Like, it, you know, Toys R Us has a big place in my heart, but unfortunately it's gone. So you have these two giant companies who are the vast majority of sales of video games are from saying that they're not going to sell video games that don't include a rating. So this is whenever all the studios are like, okay, now we have to get involved. Now we have to, you know, start rating ourselves. And that's whenever the Entertainment Software Rating Board, or the ESRB, was then created. And at that time, they had a few, or they had 
five different rating systems in place. They had early childhood, they which is EEC. They had KA, that's kids to adults. They had T for teen. They had M, which means mature 17 and up. And then they also had the dreaded adult-only tag, which meant 18 yeah. and up. <laughs> now, since then, uh, since the development of the ESRP, they're constantly evolving because gaming community is evolving as it on its own. So there's the categories have changed a little bit, and they've also changed some of the descriptors that they use, you know, like mild violence or, you know, nudity or um, smoking, like those things are included in the rating systems or the descriptors. But I, I found it really interesting that one of the new descriptor, descriptors that they put into place is um, like loot box systems. So they're actually warning parents that there's loot box systems in these games now. So that, which I think is brilliant and smart because, you know, who wants to look at their credit card and find out that their kid took their credit card to buy some schematic or, you know, some little skin for their gun or whatever it was. So, but it's, it's crazy to think that that ended up having to be included into the rating system. And I think that speaks more to the problem of the loot box system in general. Right. But, that's gambling. Yeah, 100%. So besides that, now we're at the end of... We're in 1994. That's whenever everything gets put into place. And their big push was um, to have all these games rated by the holiday season. Now, some people might be thinking, like, that's an impossible task. How are they supposed to rate every single video game before the holiday system? Well, here's the caveat. They actually didn't have to, at that point, rate games that were made before the ESRB was put into place. They only had to rate games that were coming out after the fact. So it's great to see. It's it really narrowed it down. And this was more of like a big push from like companies because they wanted to not lose sales during the holiday season of the games that were coming out. And since they all said that they weren't going to be selling games at that time if they weren't rated, then, of course, the ones that have the biggest hype, they need to get the most attention first. So that's kind of why they went with that route and they made it a little bit of an easier task. Something that I was wondering when you brought up the fact that, you know, the big companies are like, we don't want to sell games without ratings. All those games before this that didn't have ratings... Mm -hmm. Did they? I don't remember them ditching all of those games. Apparently, they pulled them. So oh, supposedly, wow. every game that didn't have a rating on the box got pulled. Yeah, so that's why. Which is a crazy thought because think about all those games that did get yanked out. But at the same time, that cleared up floor space for all of these new games that were rated that have all the hype, the media attention around them mm -hmm. because of this is a new thing. The rating system's a new thing, and it's getting people excited for it. It's bringing, it's just free advertisement for a lot of these games in order yep. in getting put into place. And instead of having, you know, maybe one or two rows of a new game out, they could have a whole wall dedicated to it. And it limits the amount of choices for kids, which means more money, more revenue. It just, it ended up being more of like a win-win-win across the board for these big companies. And actually, the first game that got an official rating from the ESRB. Um, actually, let's do a little quiz here. Do you know what the first game is that got rated by the ESRB? I mean, wouldn't it be like Mortal Kombat? No, remember Since it was... that one came out before the ESRB was put into place. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 
So actually, the first one that came out was, in fact, Doom. Doom, which has paved the way for hmm. so many different things as far as first-person shooters, as far as, you know, graphical engines, just general death. I mean, you know, was it the Death Slayer mode? And like, that's a whole thing because of that, you know, online co-op. Now it's even paved the way for rating systems and games. And it's actually it's the, wild. Yeah. So there's so much to contribute to Doom. It's insane. Like without that game, gaming history would be completely re- rewritten. And we would, I would be curious to see where we're at <laughs> at this point without Doom. Yeah. It, it's crazy how much one game has really had such an impact on everything in the industry. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really mind blowing when you think about it. Yeah. It's had its toes in everywhere, everywhere. It's not like, all of the fact that like PUBG or you know even esports is a thing is because Doom set put those play or put the pieces into place for them and gave them a platform to then expand on. So it's just it's nuts. And now they're leading the way with the rating system and allowing saying that this is how games are going to be progressing in the future. So it just it's it's crazy. It's an interesting thought to think about. So and I think that really helped with the even more with the overall success of Doom, that it was willing to go through this process at the early stages and be one of the first. And one of the big things, too, that I think is kind of funny, I just have to throw this out there, is that the ESRB, the the rating system, they don't just go through and, you know, pick up every single game and rate them. Game companies actually have to. They have to. If they want to get sold in big box stores, they have to actually pay a fee to send their game to the rating board to get rated in order to be sold in stores now. So huh. it's not just a general thing that's happening that, you know, it's just part of the process. It actually, the game gets sent out to the board to get rated, but they have to pay the fee in order to get rated in order to be sold in stores. So if they don't go through that, then they can't. So it's kind of, you can kind of see some of the, you know, money hungry capitalist yeah. aspects in there as well. So, and this wasn't really brought up until after the fact that this board was put into place. So I'm wondering like how early in the development of the ESRB did they realize that this is an excellent way to continue to make a lot of money off of games forever? <laughs> Probably when they realized like the gaming industry was taking off, you know, you look at the mid nineties and that's really when gaming kind of changed to a, uh a broader audience. So it makes sense. I mean, they probably saw the, the future of it. And we're just like, yes, this is the way to make money. Yeah. As we know, there's going to be about like hundreds of games released every year. Yeah. It's just easy money for them because they are the gatekeepers for the stores. (laughs) They really are. They get to say who gets to be sold. It's and how much money you're really going to make because, and I think we're going to go into this a little bit more right now, but that adult only tag that's been known as a game killer in stores because once it gets stamped with that the chances of parents buying this game for their kids are slim to none right yeah so that means their sales are going to be drastically lower than if it was just rated mature so a lot of people consider the adult only tag to be a game killer it also didn't help that when you look at adult-only games, and I'll go over this kind of quickly, mm-hmm. you know, the first game to ever get the adult-only was called The Joy of Sex, and it was on the CDI, mm. 
And it was basically just this like slideshow, like teaching people love making, you know, like <laughs> stuff like that. And I mean, it wasn't, it just had some, like still images, but that was it. Um, actually the first couple games for the most part were all just sexual. That's all it was. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until 98. And I actually have a reproduction of this game. Uh, it's called Thrill Kill, mm-hmm. uh, 98 from Virgin Interactive. Yeah. And it was the first game given the AO due to the violence in it. And basically, it's this like four person brawler, and it's like demented looking people. You got like a dominatrix with a whip. You got like uh, this dude on stilts who's very short <laughs> and he kills people with his stilts. You got like these dismembered looking people. Like it's, it's Mortal Kombat on some heavy, like Mortal Kombat on PCP basically <laughs> that's a great way it's, to put it <laughs> yeah it's bloody it's just crazy like i i've played a few rounds of it and i was like oh this is kind of cool you know it's just like mortal Kombat where you build up your meter and then it's like a fatality but like almost as extreme as mortal Kombat. and it it was shelved due to that because they told him hey you need to censor this a little bit more you need to do this and the developers were going along with it to an extent until they realized it would really you know that's what the game was about was that gore and violence Mm -hmm. and ea was just like we can't have this no one's gonna buy it you know it was originally gonna be on the playstation which you know that was the first not counting the cdi was the first console to really get a game like that right and we wouldn't see another ao game on a console until san andreas which actually was mature when it first got released yes uh because i had the hot coffee Mm -hmm. in it and i remember playing it and i was like i want to see this and then you know you could mod it in and it was like looking at what it was i was really surprised it was in that game you know Mm -hmm. because you're actually banging in there it's like whoa like this is crazy yeah and it that was kind of like the first because through kill wasn't big you know it didn't make headlines really san andreas did i remember growing up and i was in high school and i kept seeing like articles saying like this game is you know, only for adults because it has sex in it. And I was like, what? Yeah. Like this game? I really want to play it now. And it's <laughs> like, it was just, it was so different. You know, it really stood out. And everyone loved Grand Theft Auto by that point. Yeah. And it was an amazing, huge franchise. Like it, it was basically the last big adult only game, you know? Uh, I mean, after that, Another Rockstar game, Manhunt 2, mm-hmm. uh, the initial cut of it was AO because if anyone's played the original Manhunt, it's just very bloody. It's torture. It's it's a very different game. Uh, I'll have to give it that. Uh, it's very interesting. Try something different. And But looking back at it, yeah, it, it is pretty messed up. You know, uh, I think, you know, the last game that really make headlines for it was this game called hatred and this came out 2015 Mm -hmm. and basically i remember seeing this because i thought the graphics look kind of cool it's all kind of black and white but the blood is red and you're this like 
angry at the world dude in a trench coat, you know, very stereotypical of these kind of situations. And he's just had it. He's had it with life. So he's going to go on a killing spree. And basically you're running around neighborhoods, the cities, just murdering everybody in like different ways. And it's like very realistic in the sense that, you know, it, it plays in like a modern setting. You're taking people out of their cars or on the street and you're beheading them. Like it's, it's kind of gnarly. And I remember when it came out, cause people were like, holy shit, like this game is, it, it shouldn't be made because it's just pro violence. And I feel like that was the only, that was really the last adult only, but then it made a lot of sense because steam is the only marketplace that allows, um, adult only games mixed in with other games. Mm -hmm. The games don't show up like, on their banners or anything, unless you have it like checkmarked for adults, but the games are there. There's, it's the only marketplace really where you can buy games that have that official rating or ratings from the developers. I mean, Steam is kind of a dump for anything. That's true. But There's so much shovel around there. It's, you know, most of the adult games on Steam are mostly hentai and stuff like that anyway. It's not really gore, but you know, with these restrictions, of course, there's other marketplaces that just cater to it as well. But we're, we don't need to get into that. Yeah. But I mean, it is a smart marketing ploy by Steam because these games aren't going to be sold in big stores. They need some sort of outlet, at least. Um, yeah. And I think the developers of these games do realize that if they try and make physical copies of the games, that's going to be a waste of money for them. So Steam is a perfect platform for them to get their games out. But then also, you know, Steam's able to make a decent amount of money because where else are they going to sell it? What choices do they have? They don't have a real say in the matter anymore. Like they just have to go where they can at this point. Because that, like I said, that adult only tag is just, it's one of those that basically just makes or breaks your game. And if you're aiming to make an adult only game, you already know that this probably isn't going to be an easy sell anywhere. So wherever you can find a marketplace that will take you, you just got to jump in. Yeah. And I mean, the thing about Steam too is that it's it's PC, which, you know, how many kids do you know have their own custom-built PC or, you know, yeah. a computer to play right. on? It's mostly always console. But it's it's different from, like, say, going to a secondhand store. And you see, say, if Hatred came on on consoles, right, the kid could go to, like, Salvation Army, see it there, and buy it without being questioned. Right. You know, but on Steam, it's like, it does have those restrictions on it. So it does kind of have, like, a a gatekeeper, in a sense. So it's a little bit safer. A little bit. I so mean, you could put your fake birthday, but yeah. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, at least they're trying. At least it's there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, I kind of I found some interesting games that I, I was when I was perusing through the rating systems, and some of these got some weird ratings that are kind of controversial um, throughout the years. So the first one I wanted to go over it's actually a Hideo Kojima game that came out in 1994 on Sega CD, and it's called Snatcher. Um, this game 
yeah it's a really cool game but it's violent right (laughs) like it's it's pretty gory there's a lot of you know imagery of you know decapitated heads rotting dogs with maggots eating it you know the whole nine yards whatever you can think of and and it's kojima so of course it's going to be kind of fucked up right but this game fucked up and awesome yeah exactly right he can do no wrong no none of his games are bad (laughs) exactly (laughs) but this game got rated T for teen, despite all that violence that was put in there. And from my research, what I could tell is because the graphics were more pixelated and cartoony, that's what made it T for teen instead of M for mature. So I think that's such a weird concept to think about that a boost in graphics can make a game like more mature, even if it's the same exact game. So it's just kind of a weird play in there. Yeah. I mean, think about even older games that are like like 2D. You know, they can be pretty, they can have messed up situations or even, you know, senseless murdering in games. But because it's not realistic, the ratings aren't going to take it seriously. Yeah. I mean, that speaks true to also, I mean, there's a little series out there. I don't know if you've heard about it, but the Phoenix Wright series. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty big. It's pretty big. I don't know. It, and it's getting like a real like a reawakening right now. Um, it's it's everywhere. It's blowing up right now. But the one of the games, Phoenix Wright Dual Destinies, that came out on Nintendo DS in 2013, um, was actually rated M for Mature, which is crazy to think about because it's a Nintendo game. First of all, like it's mainly on Nintendo, but they all the other games in the series got rated T for Teen, and they do have some. <clears throat> You know, there's violence in it, there's murders, you're trying to solve crimes and things like that, right? But the only difference between this game and the previous games in the series was also the graphics. So because it went did the jump from 2D to 3D graphics, the rating board oh, Yeah, the rating board determined that it was much more violent now and much more real. So then it needs to have a mature rating attached to it. So it's just another one of those that goes to show that it's like you can have the same exact game just you know, with the different type of imagery, even though the the art style was still very cell shaded, it's cell shaded, it's still the same, but now it's three D, so now it's more violent, <laughs> oh, <laughs> which is God. just insane to think about. And I think this one is probably one of the weirdest ones to me that I feel definitely didn't deserve the mature rating. Um, this is Zone of Enders, and for those of you who don't know, who Zone of Enders is it? Uh, it's a sci-fi action game where basically you're just in giant mechs beating the crap out of each other there is no blood there's no gore it's just it's robot fighting right so but what's crazy and it's a kojima game it, oh yeah it is a kojima game too isn't it my friend look at yeah i just keep picking them i can't stay away from kojima gosh <laughs> <laughs> but once again this and all the other um titles within the series also get a t for teen rating now the ps2 version that came out in 2001 that one came out with a mature rating. And I kept looking at him like, why did this get a mature rating? This doesn't make any sense. And whenever I read through what the ESRB had to put, say or put in place was that the reason why I got the mature rating is because it included a demo for Metal Gear Solid 2 that was violent. Oh my God. So because of the inclusion of a demo for a different title, it now has the mature rating. So the overall game itself, no, it's fine. It's just a T for team game, but this demo pushed it over the edge. 
So I feel like that would just hurt sales in such a dumb way because it's like Metal Gear Solid 2 is so different from Zone of Enders. Like, I don't know. That's just that's so weird. Yeah. So it definitely did hurt sales. I mean, I feel like this is probably one of the Kojima games that's not as much talked about. Right. Like it's kind of it's all Metal Gear Solid now because that's like his biggest title. Death Stranding, yeah. right, of course, because that's the newest one that we know about. But Zone of Enders is a good game. It's a great game. But I feel like this kind of set it up in, like, it gave it, it put a bad taste in Unnecessary people. restrictions. Yeah, like, it made it hard for that game to succeed from the jump, from the get-go. So, which is kind of unfortunate whenever you really look at it. But those were just a couple of the games that I found that the rating systems, I was like, okay, that's weird to think about. But then you have other ones, you know, like Minecraft is rated T for teen, even though it's it's Minecraft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you're it's just, uh, hitting a block, killing an animal. Uh, yeah. Actually, that's what pushed it to the T for teen was the fact that you can kill animals. I like punching. the chicken. <laughs> Everybody does. Who doesn't like punching a chicken? <laughs> but that's that's how these rating systems are. They can be very, very sensitive at times. Um, but then you have certain games that. That kind of get or brush under the radar like because of their art style they're able to get away with much more so it's kind of it's a little weird and i guess you can kind of game the system a little bit in order to get the rating that you want to determine how successful your game's going to be in mainstream that's going to do it for us this week thank you guys once again for listening and joining in on the fun i hope you guys enjoyed the conversation on the history of esrb and the overall ratings of video games. Now, one final question for all of y'all. What was a game that you played when you were younger that looking back now you realize I really shouldn't have played this game? Because <laughs> hmm. I'm sure there are some games out there or even if it's a movie or a TV show that you probably shouldn't have watched when you were younger. I mean, I remember um, when I was younger my mom would watch Jerry Springer late at night and I would hide under like while I'm sleeping or while I'm supposed to be sleeping. And I would like peek under the covers and like look and watch Jerry Springer while she's watching it. So, <laughs> so what, what are some movies, games, shows or whatever it may be that you really should not have been watching, but you still couldn't stop watching? <laughs> but yeah, Good question. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's it. Thank you guys again for joining us. Um, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, please. It really helps us out. Uh, it's a way to make our show grow. And a quick little shout out to our other show that we're doing too. If you guys haven't heard it, if you're not following us on social media, be sure to do so because we also have the Murder of Grey podcast where we go into different moral and ethical dilemmas and we have a lot of fun doing it. We just kind of, it's a little bit more of like a goofy show, but definitely give that one a chance check it out and yeah that's gonna do it for us so uh bye bye